Welcome back to Tea with Gen Z, the podcast that's here to entertain and support you through every step of your college journey. I'm your host, Usama Jamal, and today we have the pleasure of hosting a special person who's loved by professors and peers and had a mark in different fields. Hailing from the vibrant city of Nablus in Palestine, Hala Das. Hala, how are you today? Good, how are you? How was your week? Oh, you should see. I've been sleeping every single first 8 a.m. class. How's the midterm season, which is still going on? Oh, Apparently every week. I swear, the terms have been going on since like end of September until like this week, which is almost the last week of uni. I mean, I didn't have a where's single empty midterm? week. Exactly. Oh like, where's the midterm? Like, where's the middle of the term and midterm? <laughs> we don't know anymore. Well, are you, are you doing well with the midterm? Yeah, all good. Do you think like uh, it affects students this term that is shorter or? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I keep thinking, why are people? I mean, I can't believe it's because of a few couple people who are going to that conference. No, it's not just goes about. Oh, yeah. I mean, anyone can go, right? It's not just the four delegates or the four. No, I know, I know, but it's, it's because that thing is going on. Yeah. That we have to, like, have Sunday classes. But it's one of, like, it's it's a huge event, you know? We're encouraging students to go because there's a lot of networking opportunities. There's a lot of connections. I mean, it's worth it. Sure to you. Uh, it's a different perspective. <laughs> to me, it's like, I just want to go back and see my family as soon as possible. <laughs> I mean, you're going to take two months now. Yeah. So I'm guessing. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes it worth it. It does make it worth it. All right, uh, we want the uh, audience to know you better. We're going to start with an icebreaker. Well, the, here's a question. What do you wish was legal or illegal? Uh, like, okay, a couple of things, right? Yeah. Maybe, like, one thing that's on the top of my mind, the unnecessary meetings, like, boring meetings. Like, the, you, that, please, that should please. be illegal? It should be illegal. Like, if you can communicate on email, get it done with on email. What's the point of having a one hour but isn't it more engaging more interactive when you say it in person you know it is more engaging that's true but like everyone's busy and also most of the meeting is not even related to the like it's not even related to what you're actually supposed to do it's like a waste of time all right hala it's truly a pleasure to have you today we are keen to present talent today as students with notable experiences and I'm sure that you have more experiences that, than the ones on my list. But I want to tell the audience uh, your experience just so they know you better. So Hala is a double major in computer science and mathematics. She has an award-winning research paper at the Global Undergraduate Awards. She also worked as a teaching assistant, a physics tutor, and she loves teaching and helping others. She also joined an initiative uh, called Locate Victims Beirut. And uh, finally, we have she managed to coordinate the first MUN for her high school. So, uh, what do you want to start with? Wow, all of these are amazing. And uh, okay, let's start with the first one: computer science and math. Computer science is already tough. <clears throat> Why are you taking the extra mile and taking mathematics? You know, so many students here in AOS are double majors in computer science and math. Well, let me tell you, like from what I see, people with double major, we really, really like math. And at one point, we probably thought of majoring in math. Okay. But then we were like, okay, what are we going to do with a math degree after school, right? Yeah. So we went to computer science, which is like math with games. And then we came here and we, re we realized, oh, programming doesn't really have math. I really want the math. I like them. And well, to me, it was like, I would just want to do more math. So I double majored in. But computer science, there's a lot of math, right? Like uh, not not in programming. Oh, oh you like take in math, math courses. courses. Yes. I mean, but also, like six. Okay. Yeah, there are, we have six. Okay. Let's talk about your award winning research paper. Ali, you're already in math and computer science. What got you in political science? Yeah, that was really funny. Like, T I tell me about, tell me about the. What, what is it about? Okay, so 
It started in writing on a two. Okay. When my professor told us we had to write a research paper、okay. on greenwashing, yeah, and I'm the kind of person who is so like fed up with hearing about environmentalism and greenwashing and oh wow、like、sustainability. Honestly, I I keep seeing it. Maybe, maybe that explains、uh, the the, the <laughs> two months thing. Okay, yeah, <laughs> but well, I see it a lot in emails, and it's like okay, but we're I'm so sick of this. I want to see something else. But but don't you think it's like the most important thing right now? It is. It is. It is. It is. But it, I'm not interested. Continue. And then. What annoys me is when everyone includes it into everything. So now, you have to let go of your interests and write about sustainability, right? Like I had to write about greenwashing, but I didn't want it to be exclusively on envir- the environment and sustainability. And I thought, okay, what is interesting? Like, what do I find interesting?、Mm-hmm. And I've always grown up aware of politics、yeah. and aware of what goes on in the region, and I've been like. Attending MUNs ever since I could, so I started in ninth grade, and then I kept going until my first, like last year. So in every single MUN, you're expected to write a political research paper. Yeah. Right. So that is something I've already been trained on.、Mm, I see. And when I had to write this paper, I already had like tons of experience. Right. Yeah. A lot of experiences writing political papers. Yeah. Like for MUNs. So I thought, okay, why not? And what I found interesting was this article I read on the internet. On how Israel greenwashes its occupation. What does、right? this mean, by the way? So greenwashing is when organizations or people or governments, whatever, when they make claims that they are sustainable,、mm. but in reality they're not really sustainable, and they do that to make them look good. It's just for their image. So Israel greenwashes, or like Israel tells like the the world that they are doing so many things for sustainability, that they are. Like improving water, improving the land. Like they're doing so much for sustainability,、yeah. but in reality, they are cutting down so much. They are uprooting so many trees. They are draining the lands. So that all goes against sustainability, and that's like that's what grabbed my attention.、But、don't you think other countries as well? Ma- that's like, that's exactly、worse. what I thought. That's exactly like, what I thought. Let's talk about China or about the U.S. I'm sure they also have some kind of greenwashing. For sure. That's exactly what I thought. What I what first sparked the interest in the topic was Israel Palestine because I'm Palestinian, and then I thought, all right, what if other countries are doing the same thing?、Mm-hmm. And I looked into the U.S.、Uh, and I thought, all right, so what if there's a U.S. greenwash its military? Does it? The, well, greenwash its military. Yes. What does this mean? So do they make claims that the military is sustainable, but in reality it's not? We know. Well, how can military、not. be sustainable? Exactly, it can't be, but they still make claims that they are. Okay, so that that's what got you interested. Yeah, like that's what my paper is about. Like how the U.S. yeah greenwashes its military to continue or continue furthering its imperialism.、Uh, greenwashing is is just a technique for them to allow imperialism to continue. Explain further. Okay, sure. The U.S. has almost eight hundred military bases all over the world. Correct. Right. And the U.S. is the number one producer of greenhouse gases in the world. The U.S. military, specifically, not not the U.S. The U.S. military is the number one greenhouse number one producer of greenhouse gases. Okay. The industry producer. The question is, when people are like, "All right, sustainability and the environment, and we have to, t- you know, care about this," all you hear is switch to paper straws, switch to paper bags, switch to I don't know what. Start cycling to school. It's all about what we can do, about what individuals can do. And the question is, okay, what if everyone did this? Are we really going to save the globe? 
is are we really going to reverse climate change if us normal people who have a very very minute significance to yeah. carbon emissions are we going to make so much of a difference the second question that i answer in my paper like is there so much difference that we can make did you find any numbers to show like even if humans uh, stop using plastics yeah. and yeah. cars and stuff compared to say companies right. and factories what is it well i can i don't remember the number exactly but yeah. there was this case study it was a research study done by MIT and they test or they studied if every single civilian in the US yeah across all all demographics so from the poor to the rich if every single person lived a very nomad lifestyle so they cycled to work um they didn't eat out you know it was all so the best, very the, right, best. the best the best life you can live uh for the environment yeah. if everyone did that how much would the carbon emissions be yeah. from the country yeah. and they realized the carbon emissions would still be per capita twice the global average of carbon emissions per person wow in america in america and that's because when the military is the number one producer of emissions and yeah. the industries from what exactly the military how the military what do they do exactly what are we talking what is it training transportation right transportation so the vehicles the the, the so war planes the, the air jets transportation transportation plays a huge role uh, yeah i guess so and another is all the buildings and infrastructure they have because they need the infrastructure yeah. that one so even if we live the best life for the environment exactly we still have some crazy number yeah like it's still not reversing we're still not helping climate change that's such a touchy topic i'm glad you went over it i'm interested that you're so passionate in politics and especially that you managed to coordinate your first mun for your high school uh how about we switch that up okay you managed your first mun for your high school so that means you did all the papers you contacted the organizers a lot of meetings right mm-hmm. why first of all why why would okay. you manage an mun all right probably took you so long i grew up in a small school yeah we had almost well i had like 30 40 people in my batch yeah and i also grew up in a small city in saudi mm-hmm. and there were only two like two big schools or basically not big but they are schools that continued all the way until grade 12 yeah mine was one of them there was only one other school that did uh, which which had an international curriculum okay okay so yeah like the city didn't have much going on and we never had an mun in the city so every mun that i attended was in a neighboring city mm, i see and to go to the neighboring city we had to drive an hour and a half going and an hour and a half coming back so you're like let's do it here <laughs> exactly okay and, like the issue is we had to wake up at 5 a.m in the morning to catch the bus so we arrived there at exactly 8 a.m so we can register you know like it's a whole process and every time we do that in the bus the girls are like oh i wish we could have our own mun here you know we don't have to wake up that early or we don't have to come here for this long. how did you get the confidence to say okay let's do it here in my batch i was probably the most the person most involved in muns hmm. and people knew that so that kind of like gave them some credibility and my english teacher she was also my mun coordinator she came to me and she was like hey do you want to like do you want to organize schools mun and uh that's how it started yeah so she came up to you yeah no well i've we always discussed like oh imagine we could or imagine we could our, oh, our i'd love mm, to I see. like it was always hypothetical mm. but then she came up to me one day and she was like would you like to organize it and i was like if it's on campus yes on because campus. at the time it was 2021 yeah like fall 2021 
you know, that academic year. And people were, were still recovering from COVID. And yeah, the rules and the regulations weren't that strict, but there were still some regulations. Yes. So I told her, if it's on campus, sure. If it's online, I don't know, I'm not really, like, I'm not really interested in online anyone's. She's like, all right, we'll, we'll give it a shot. Like, let's try. And if it works out, it, work, it works out. Yeah. Yeah, like for, for a good, when did I start? Well, I had the idea in the previous year. I probably, for, so say like two, three, four months. Whoa. Working on this. Yeah, well. And then this for the audience, so you, all, you were in high school. Yeah. You were working on yourself, studying. Oh, yeah, tests. I had A-levels coming up. Wow, okay. Yeah, but yeah, A-levels are a different story. Oh, tell, about, tell, tell me about the contacting with the organizers. Okay, so what I did was I had to first write a proposal for the school to accept it. Mm. And the proposal included a budgeting section. Now, the budget is oh very, but, like, it's a very, yeah. it's the most sensitive topic. And that's what they look at. Right, exactly. That's the only thing they look at, actually. So if you're talking about a budget of 50, 60K, you need to be very careful with the return the should be goes. high. That's that's what matters. There's no return, like there, it's not. I know, but my, maybe the return might be like experiences, connections, networking, maybe yeah. for the school, the image of the school. Yeah. So so food. The big chunk is food because we mm. have what we are used to is an open buffet for both days, mm, or like food for both days. Yeah. And that was also an issue because it was still COVID, and you didn't want oh, people. Oh yeah. Like it, there were still like health issues. It was like so many things: money and health and social distance like all of these couple up together it yeah. made it hard kind of difficult um so that's one thing like i had to look for so you did all this for free four months contacting i don't know how many people it was fun being a team i know it's fun but it took you a long time right yeah but it wasn't it, i wanted it to like i wanted you to, wanted to have it yeah mm. i wanted to have that i mean like, beautiful okay i'll tell you that's a lot of courage from you i'm just surprised at how many things you have here and wow Organizing an MUN must be really difficult. There's even yeah. something even more exciting here. So, Locate Victims Beirut. For the listeners to know, let me explain what this is. Sure. So, following the incidents in Lebanon's port a few years ago, which resulted in a lot of chaos and the disappearance of many people, Hala decided to do something. She made an accurate database for the missing victims. This database proved successful after it resulted in reuniting affected families with their loved ones. Hala, as a Lebanese, I really appreciate your efforts during such a critical time. This just adds further to your commitment to helping others. Please tell me, first of all, how did you come up with an idea? What the founder of Locate Victims Beirut, Zahra Aisa, she thought we could use social media, we could use the internet to connect those people together. So if somebody saw this person in a hospital or if somebody recognizes this person somewhere, okay. they could connect them to their family members. And how does that work? So it started with an Instagram page. Okay. She started an Instagram page called Locate Victims Beirut. And uh, she used to post pictures of the missing victims. Mm-hmm. Okay. So family members who would look for their re- like loved ones yes. and they are missing. And in the comments, people would say, oh, yes, I like they're in this hospital. Oh, wow. You know, okay. like if it's a nurse and she saw that picture. How did she like make sure that it uh, gets the engagement from the uh... People uh, in I'm not really sure. She's just a uni student. She was a uni student at the time, yeah. Oh, I'm she assuming she shared it uh, between her friends. And yeah, then for sure. There. And okay. also Lebanon, like Lebanon is really yeah. small and people are well connected. I mean, we are fully networking. Like, we're yeah. always engaging with each other. I hear, like my friend in, my friend in Lebanon, I, I text her sometimes and I'm like, hey, um, so I know this, this person from Lebanon here. She's like, really? What's their name? And I tell her, she's like, oh my God, I know them. 
you know so it's it i think like little things people in lebanon are really connected maybe that helped her but yeah it started with an instagram page that was just pictures of missing victims okay and we, they depended on comments to uh find those people to connect those people okay what's the next stage and then um it started growing and they needed a team and they started looking for people who would help mm-hmm. and um at one point there was so this girl that i that i knew from an mu1 yeah. she posted uh if anyone is interested in helping out like go contact them and i contacted them and they said would you like to work on what would, would you like to work on like what can you do and i said all right i can work on the spreadsheet so what we what happened is that we turned the instagram page to a website with a database okay okay so if i enter a website what do i see so you enter the website there was a, also a like a contact page mm. the contact page would tell you um hi i'm looking for this person yeah or it would tell you hi i found this person mm. okay so, so contact them for these two reasons. yes we still had the instagram page going and running and we still had people contacting the instagram page okay so it was like two things at the same time but the website like centralized the information everything was kept in one one place and uh the database actually is the thing that centralized everything because in the database we had the name of the victim some details last found like where are they if they're dead or alive and what we did was also like that was in the last in one of the last stages that we translated all the information from english to arabic so it was accessible for both yeah. for all people in lebanon we also yeah so we part of the database came from ngos in lebanon like the red cross and, and other ngos so they also helped yep and also from the government from the ministry but our, our database like i'm not really i'm not exactly sure if this is true but our database is the most comprehensive it, Interesting. because no way when you get people together i'm sure it will be comprehensive yeah and we also i, I just remembered there was this person in the us who had so many connections, who was also working on the database before we started. Wow. I love yeah. how there's a lot of people outside the country. Yeah, outside. so we found that person and he started working with us and he connected us with like, he imported all the things that he found. So it was multiple efforts together at once. And in the end, I think the Lebanese Red Cross like approved of the database. Mm. And Zahra, the founder and the co-founder, they were invited to the UN, the United Nations. Like, wow. Oh, yeah. It got so popular, so much publication that it was in the BBC News, it was in Forbes, Fox News, Jazeera, Arabia, so many, so many news. We have them all on the website. It was in Vogue, like that. <laughs> I, I I found that funny. <laughs> But yeah, the United Nations acknowledged Locate Victims Beirut and they invited the founder and co-founder. It must be so special to be part of this. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, when you do it, you don't think of what's going to happen next. You just think of, let's get the work done. Let's... Make sure that, you know, something good comes out of this. Well, that was a great conversation with you, Halang. Thank you. Uh, it was a great conversation. Amazing experiences. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking, I mean, I'm sure someone sees you as a role model now. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope so. Well, great conversation. Um, again, we are keen to present our town today as students with great experiences and you are just one of them. Thank you for being. Thank you so much.